Good after, good after, good evening. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to get into accountability's cover. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, you know, I, I, um, you know, as I meditate on accountability's cover, I think about, I think about a couple things. One, as a parent, I remember, you know, as uh, me, and my, me and my son was talking about this last weekend, but as he was growing. You know, you get to a place where, I'm going to use his line, where you feel yourself. You know, y'all know what that is? Where you're feeling yourself? Uh, and and so, so, I, so I remember he had to leave the house. Now, you know, besides my wife, my son's my second best friend. So when I would go get me something, I would go get him something. I'd buy a suit or buy him a suit. Buy me some Adidas, I buy him some Adidas, you know. I took him everywhere, you know. Um, <laughs> we were talking about how I just let him get beat up on the basketball court. But I was trying to, you know, you know, just helping him to handle where he was going. And then there were situations where guys would, uh, some of these guys might end up watching this, but it's true. So they didn't know we were father and son. So, we, you know, we was playing together all the time. So one day this guy, uh, he, he kind of catches my son with a cheap shot. So I didn't, I didn't, hey, what you doing? I didn't say nothing. But <laughs> probably the next play, it wasn't a basketball play. It was a football play, you know. But I wanted to let him know, you know, somebody's protecting him. You know, so I caught that, I caught that guy with a pretty good shot, you know. Uh, uh, I didn't cripple him, but my son didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, him being abused anymore. What was I doing? I, I, was, I was covering him. I was protecting him. But when my son left the house, I wasn't driving through the city looking for him to buy him stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't, and it wasn't that he left the house. He didn't transition. He broke out. So now he put me in a position where he had to handle the consequences of his choices, even though it's excruciating for me because you don't want your, your, your son going through anything. Now, if it's excruciating for me, you already know how it was for Missy over there. <laughs> um, so, so I was thinking about that. And then I also thought that I worked in corrections. And so we had rules. We had protocols and stuff we had to follow. Now, as long as we followed those rules, you know, even like you, you, you went through unarmed self-defense. So, you know, uh, technique one is a wrist lock. You know, it's how I stretch every day, but it's a wrist lock. But you, you, you bend this wrist a certain way, you can make somebody do whatever you want them to do. That's technique one. You know, technique two, technique three. Now, when you went to court, as long as you followed the technique, or attempted the technique. So most of us went to court and we said we attempted the technique. Because <laughs> it's not like the kids say, here's my hand, put me in the lock. All right, as long as you was within those boundaries, the, the job will cover you. You're covered. But let's say if I just haul off and punch a kid in the face, I'm outside the lines. Like I've broken the rules. I'm not protected out there. You understand what I'm saying? I'm protected within the, the boundaries. You ever uh, walk outside and tell your kid don't go out in the street? 
The boy did not tell you not to leave me. Yeah, you know, or if they were there, big, give, you know, uh, uh, give your brother your hand or something like that. What are you saying? You're covered. You're protected with us. Go out there in the street. You're not protected. You're uncovered. Right? So there's accountability. I had to be at home at a certain time. And then there was a a period of time where I could only go to the next block because the people I was raised, their son lived on the next block. So they were like grandparents and their son and his kids. So, you know, we grew up as cousins. But the next block, you walk down to the corner. Okay, I see what they're doing, you know. Uh, And so, but you're covered. Now, we had to be accountable to that. But let's say I decided, well, they probably ain't going to come out and look. So let's go anywhere, to the store anywhere. Well, no one knows where I'm at. You see what I'm saying? I'm outside of a, a protection or a covering. Even if something happens, what could they do? They don't even know what's going on. Like, the, you know, the time I was in a locked door in Harlem. Nobody's, I, actually, when they locked the door, I said, uh-oh, I said, if anything happens to me right now, I'm going to be a mystery because no one knows where I'm at. Doing my own thing, you know, call myself, I'm there trying to protect somebody else. But as soon as they bolted that door, I said, you know, because I never carry weapons uh, coming up in the hood for a reason. That was just my philosophy. Nobody knew that. I made it look like I had weapons, but I never had one. No, for real. Yeah, even when I closed the store, I, I had a, a Dairy Queen. I worked at Dairy Queen in the hood. So when I, when I, you know how you put the rails down and stuff? So when I went out there, all of the, the stick-up artists was on the next corner at the liquor store. So I, it was this tube that they had inside the, the job. I put it in my pants to close the door. Like, I had a gun. I ain't had no gun. I just didn't believe in carrying weapons. You know, so, so, so when we talk about accountability's cover, we think accountability is a bad thing. We talk through this in, in premarital or marital counseling and all the things we talk to. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we start talking about, you know, people come in and go, you know, she's trying to treat me like she's my mother or this person trying to treat me like they my daddy. You know, like, no. You know, if I just leave the house and I'm gone, it's not a punishment for her to know where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? We're accountable to each other. You know what I'm saying? Because if something happens, I don't know where Melanie at. Does that make sense? All right. So um, uh, we have been going, we're going through Leviticus, right? So we've been going through Leviticus and uh, Leviticus 1. Let's go there. Leviticus 1. Because Trina brought something out the other day that fit right in here. Y'all know Trina, right? Uh, Verse 4. It says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the... you know, slice up 
of the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron and the priests shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire, right? I, I just wanted to read a little bit of the stuff they had to do. But Trini was saying they had to, to uh, own what they were responsible for. Uh, and, and she was talking about, like, you know, people had to, so we're giving their offering. So if I come to give an offering, it's atonement, right? It's atonement for what? Sin. So that means I have to what? I have to share what, right? Right. So even if I didn't share, let's say if there was a particular offering for a particular sin, we all know, like, you know, next person in line is kind of like, you know, they know, but I had to own it. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't hide it, Right. And even if no one knew what the offering was for, I'm there offering what? An offering for sins. So everybody knows what? I'm in sin. So imagine if we had to offer for our sins. Like when we came to service today, we had to get in line and everybody had to offer for their sins. See, all we got to do is confess our sins one to another, and we don't want to do that. But they, they had to offer, they had to go through something, right? You see, so Trina was talking about owning it. So uh, what James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another, right? That's all we got to do is open up. And, you know, even when the Scripture says if you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive you of the sin and cleanse you of the righteousness. Why aren't we hiding? See, the thing is, we, we, it's something in our design that thinks we're going to be sinless. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short. Okay, because, you know, they do this on, on college campuses a lot. You know, they go, we're all sinners. That's not what that scripture said. The scripture says all have sinned means that's past. And it's saying that, hey, because of this sin nature, the, the, the opportunity that we're not going to slip it's almost impossible, right? Just all have sinned and fall short. The Bible says those that are sons of God does, do, doth, doth not, in the King James verse, commit of sin. They don't habitually sin. So it's not saying that we are sinners. You know, I know some, some, um, some uh, campus ministries, athletic ministries uh, misinterpreted that and misinterpreted that at times. That's not what it's saying. But the thing is, because we live this life and because we have this human nature and because sin is coming at us fast, we may slip. You know, you all, everybody here Christian, right? Right? Anybody lied within the last year? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Right? But sometimes you, you, you reflex, right? You could reflex and say something, Right? Right? Well, well, all we have to do is open up and confess that God's faithful to forgive you of the sin and cleanse you of the unrighteousness. Now, this is not premeditated sin. I'm going to sin because I know God's going to forgive me. Right? You know, that, that's, that's, that's different. Right? That's, that's uh, thinking we can hustle God. Um, Zip says something after Trina made her comment about they had to own their sin and in Leviticus 1, she said, Zip said, uh, they had ownership in it. Ownership in it. So I'm owning the fact that I missed it. I'm owning the fact that, hey, 
I could have done that better. I could have handled that better. I could have done something. I'm owning that. So there is a covering for that because there's a heart attached to that. The sacrifices of God are broken and contrite hearts, Psalm 51, right? And so I was thinking about this because as we've been going through in a Bible study fellowship early in the morning on the conference line from 6, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. after uh, um, intercessory prayer from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., just make sure I plug that in, right? Um, we have been walking through the beginning of the Bible, and what I notice is within these first three generations, there was a lot of altars built, right? They built a lot of altars. Well, altars is important because what they're doing is we're building something to establish a covenant. What we're building is a place of accountability, right? So, so this, this covenant and this place of accountability is almost like what we do in our culture now. We sign contracts, you know, or we sign our marriage certificate, right? Yeah, we, you know, we already agreed we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. And honor, we've honored that. We've been accountable to that contract for 30 years, right? So, so there's, a, there's a level of commitment. But, I, but I, when I think about how they grew in, hey, hey, before we go any further, we got to make sure we have a place of accountability, right? We got to make sure no matter how we move, we're still mindful of God. You know, a lot of times when people hear about tithes and offering, I know you got people hustling in churches. Uh, but, but see, I, when, when I understood what tithes and offering is about, I was like, I got to get what, what, what that covenant of tithe is for. It covers my resources. So I don't care what, they, what they're doing at church. Now, thank, thank God, everybody kind of knows what we do at church. But I'm saying, I didn't care. I'm just going to make sure I get that covering, right? I'm not cheating that, right? Because I understood the system, right? And so, but I think about in Deuteronomy 8 when it says, don't forget the Lord thy God. It says, it says, look, 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 because, we, you know, we're growing in life, you know, out there working, um, you know, cleaning up after dogs and stuff like that, right? All right, because you, you're trying to not just get the bills paid. You know, eventually, you know, like, you know, you want to drive what you want to drive. You want to keep changing your glasses, you know, different colors of glasses. Everybody don't have that many glasses, you know, all right? <laughs> but I'm saying, but, but, but you want to do those things. But the, but the Bible talks about Deuteronomy 8. It says, it says, hey, when you've built goodly houses. Now, it talks about when your, your flocks multiply. You know, now we're, we're in the South. Say this in New Jersey, ain't a whole lot of flocks in Newark, uh, maybe on the outskirts. But, but around here, I done seen. I done seen horses. I done seen all types of stuff. So it says when all that's multiplied. And then it said just for people that's not into having horses and, and donkeys, it says when your silver and gold has multiplied. Right? It says, don't forget the Lord God. It says what? Because he giveth thee the power to get wealth. Right? That's Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 17, uh, through 18. Right? But what it's saying is don't forget God. So every step I go, now why does somebody have to tell us to stay accountable? Because we have a tendency to forget God. Yeah. Right? It says, don't say, my power and my might has gotten me this wealth. Because, of, you know, I'm having a conversation, man, because of all this, this hard work I'm getting. Who gave me the brain? Right? 
right? So, so it's saying, don't say my power or my might. Now, we say with our mouth, but we also say things with our actions, which we're going to get into here in a second. So a lot of times our actions are saying, I don't need to be mindful of God. I'm not worried about his covering. I can take it from here. Is, is everything on uh, Wi-Fi, even your... Uh, well, even my watch. They gave me a watch. I put it on. Yeah, but uh, Marcus, Marcus said it's Wi-Fi. I'm going to just go with what Marcus said and realize that I got a new watch that I'm learning how to use. <laughs> All right? So my Wi-Fi was on. All right, so, so, so we're talking about the, you know, how how a lot of times our actions are saying some things, right? Our actions are forgetting God, you know? You know, like you ever been in a relationship, I love you. And you're looking at the person like, you got a funny way of showing it, right? Like what is, it seems like your love is only when it benefits you. Now, maybe nobody told you, but that ain't love. Love it's not about you at all, <laughs> right? And so we say we love God, but we do so many things that are about us, right? Yeah. This is just, just, just work with me here. Um, now, this accountability was big for them in establishing these altars and these covenants because they had a wonderful thought process. Not just, you know, because sometimes we go, I'll do that for you. Not, and we always talk about how, no, you get to do that, right? But they were way beyond I get to do that. You know what their philosophy was? We commit to that. We vow to that. Not I get to do that. I commit to that. And I vow to that, right? All right, I'm gonna, one more time, then I'll, I'll go over here, all right? Uh, so now we no longer build altars in our day and time, right? We lay our life down on the altar of the cross, right? Let's go to uh, Zipporah. So far we got Trina been involved in the sermon. Now we got Zipporah. Let's go to Zipporah's favorite scripture. That's not cool, man. I don't, I don't even like that. See what you got to handle as a pastor? Get the perfect mic set. Thank God for another mic. No, it's fine. <laughs> All right, we got to make sure we EQ this right. Okay, I think I think I'll be fine. Maybe a little bit more too. All right, all right. So uh, Luke, <laughs> I, I carried that note. Y'all see that? Two. Gerard, don't laugh, man. Come on, man. It's like Pastor wasn't a note to carry. All right, so uh, Luke 9, 23. 
Y'all should have been already been there because I said Z's favorite scripture, right? And it says, it says, uh, and he said unto them, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. We can say lay down on the altar and follow me, right? Right? So I'm accountable to lay my life down as a living sacrifice, you know? So now instead of me going to an altar and giving a sacrifice, I take up my cross and lay down my life as a living sacrifice. Now, not a visiting sacrifice, a living sacrifice. You know the difference, right? Visiting sacrifice, I'll just drop by for a little while, put myself down, pick myself back up, right? But a living sacrifice is I'm, I'm, I'm staying there, right? right? I'm staying what? I'm staying buried. I'm staying dead, right? Right? I'm staying dead, right? I'm staying dead. Okay. All right, so, so now when I live this living sacrifice, um, which is Romans 12, 1, present yourself as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is what? Your reasonable service. So now I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm, I'm in a position of accountability, Rhonda, right? See, because I pre I'm presenting myself in a living sacrifice, and I'm, and I'm staying there, right? I'm staying buried, right? So we live in the accountability in our life. We live in the accountability, or we can even use a good word, integrity. We live in the integrity. I'm going to stay buried, right? A lot of times we try to resurrect ourselves, right? Now, Romans 14, 12, just for the sake of time, I'll read it. It says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, right? So I'm living in accountability. I'm giving account so, so because, am I jumping ahead? Probably. Oh, I'll be patient here. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14. All right, and now the, the, I'm going to read uh, Romans 14, 12 first in the easy read version. So it says, so each of us will have to explain to God about the things we do. Right? Let's give an account, right? Right? No, the scripture talks about give account for every idle word, right? Right? You know, God gave you the gift of creativity with your mouth. Are we using our mouth for, you know, for to speak life? Or are we speaking death? And worse than that, are we speaking curses? Out of the same mouth shouldn't be what? Blessing and cursing, right? Blessing and cursing, right? Out of the same mouth shouldn't be blessing and cursing, right? I just make sure we gotta make sure we got there. I need to remix it one more time. Blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. All right, okay. All right, so first Corinthians six. <laughs> right? I mean, I, it's not asking much, is it, Gerard? Shouldn't have blessing and cursing. Now, where would cursing actually come from from a Christian? Like where would cursing even come from? Now, 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 I know people have this th philosophy is I'm doing fine until I stub my toe. But if a curse comes out you when you stub your toe, then a curse was in you. I don't stub, I don't curse when I stub my toe. I don't curse when I get mad. You know, I, you know, regardless of what the situation is. And I used to, I lived cursing. People would stay away from me. Oh, no, don't, don't say nothing to me. Gonna curse you out. 
Yeah, yeah. So I didn't just curse. I I intimidated folk. But I don't curse. I'm nowhere near cursing. Why? Because I don't feed myself. Curses. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. So First Corinthians six fourteen. First Corinthians six fourteen. Now I like to kind of, if you figure it out, we, we're walking down a path. You know the breadcrumbs. I'm giving you breadcrumbs, right? You know, so so you can follow later. You know, you can go back and look at the breadcrumbs. Okay, this is how we got here, right? Um, that's why I say if I if I if uh, you can't study it, I'm not teaching it. All right, so 1 Corinthians 6.14 says this. It says, and God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. It didn't say by our power. So if I'm really accountable and I stay living as a sacrifice, my confidence is what, Tiana? That God will raise us up by what? His own power. All right? But a lot of times we try to protect ourselves, cover ourselves, feed ourselves, but we don't trust that God can take care of us. All right? Verse 15. It says, know ye, know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Oh, so I'm accountable to Christ. Right? Just like my hand is accountable to my body, I'm accountable to the body of Christ. It says, shall, then, shall, then, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid is what the author says. It says, what know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot? I don't have to tell you what a harlot is, right? Okay, good. All right. Is one body? It says, uh, for two saith he shall be one flesh. Now, this is the interesting thing. Because we wonder how we get caught up in these relationships and we can't shake them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all out there, TV land, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, you get caught up, you're like, why can't I shake? You know, like, you know how you tell yourself, like, oh, no, 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 no. It got me twisted. No, no, I ain't the one. I ain't the one. I ain't the one. How did I get here again? You know what I'm saying? Like, you like, you know, you know how you had a conversation with your girlfriend, and you, you sitting there talking, he, he meant, he, that, hey, you know, I, I'm done. I am done. And then, you know, you ducking them when, like, you show up at the movies with the same person you say you was done with. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, oh, oh, no, let's go this way. Let's go this way. How, how does that happen? Why can't you shake them? And then we call these things love because, you know, we got infatuated. We got caught up uh, uh, touching, right? And so now you, 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 <laughs> I was just trying to be tactful. Y'all know what I mean, right? So now the two becomes one. See, the two are supposed to, so two covenant people are supposed to get together and become one and grow together. If you cheat the process just because you're lonely or just because you want to be with somebody, you don't just get the pleasure that day. You get the whole package. Right? So now you're bound to someone you're trying to get rid of. Right? So, all right. That's going over real well. All right, let's, let's just, where was we at? Uh, the two, uh, verse 17. It says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So I want to be accountable to the Lord so I can be one spirit with him. Not just connected to anybody. Now, verse 18 says, flee fornication. That's sexual immorality. Not just intercourse, but sexual immorality. Everything under the list, right? 
But see, we, we'll tell ourselves, long as I'm not having intercourse, I'm good. No, 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 no. This says fornication. Sexual immorality, everything on the list, even the things running through your mind, right? Now, it says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. So most of the sins that people do are outside of the body. They, they have an impact. They can throw you off. You repent, this, that, and the other. It says, look, look. It says, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. So most sins affect you from the outside in. Fornication affects you from the inside out. That's why it's hard for you to let go. Because you've allowed something intimately inside of you. So it, like we were talking about earlier uh, uh, this morning, getting to the root. Like Jesus was going to get the demon at the root. Well, a lot of times things are embedded at the root. It ain't just what you think. It's, it's, it's a part of who you are now, right? So, so, so it's going to take a whole lot more purging for that. That's why you don't just choose. Like we're casual with, with sexuality. You don't choose just to be opening yourself up to anybody, all right? This is not what our topic is, but for whatever reason, we need to talk about it. <laughs> All right, so, you know, God, you see, Christ can deliver us. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit, right? So we can get out of it, but it's going to take Christ, right? It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. Look, look, and ye are not your own. You're accountable to who bought you, who paid for your sins. You're accountable to. Look, look. Next verse explains it. It says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You just can't be doing anything you want. I'm doing me. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, fine. If you've got a ticket to go to hell, go ahead. Now, see, notice I didn't say you're going to hell. I said if you got a ticket to go to hell, meaning I'm doing what I want with my body. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've been bought with a price. Your body's not your own. You don't do what you want to do. You do as you're led by Christ, right? We're accountable. Does that make sense? All right, so I just wanted to just give us a little uh, baseline on accountability, right? <laughs> so we're accountable to God and man, right? We're accountable to God, man, because, again, God, you can't see, man, you can see. So what God has established is delegated authorities. Because you're going to be, because uh, he's trying to exact a level of humility in us. Of course, if God was standing right here, we all be, uh, we all be a church on time. We tithe on time. You know, we would lie because God's standing right here. But God wants to build character in us, so he sends us delegated authority because he knows that's going to humble us. That's why the Bible says the heir differs nothing from a servant as long as he's a child, but is under tutors and governors to the point in time of the father. Right? What he's saying is you're under teachers and trainers until God releases you to be a teacher and trainer, right? Right? But, but a lot of times we're, as I was sharing earlier with my son, we break out too soon. Like we're independent too soon, right? So what God is saying, you're undercover until we've matured to cover. You're undercover, tutors and governors, until you're mature to cover. So a lot of us are out here doing our own thing. We've never been covered. We've never submitted to authority. 
we've been freelancing most of our lives, and we're cheating ourselves from covering because we're not accountable. You know how you can live a compartmentalized life? Y'all know what a compartmentalized life is, right? You know, so everybody sees one life, but I got another life going on, right? Some of us got multiple compartments, right? I got like two, three different lives going on, you know, but nobody really, or you think nobody knows, but, but it's kind of obvious, you know, right? So that means I'm not accountable when I can act a certain way but live differently, right? So, so the Bible tells us something. You know, even in relationships, it says submit yourselves one to another. So in our relationship, we follow the, the, the God-designed marriage. So, so I'm actually the head of the marriage, right? Guess what? I'm the head of marriage. But I'm saying this because this is what the Bible says, but you don't really hear me walking around, hey, I run my house. What? Listen, I'm telling you what. We know who in charge up in here. We know who in charge. I'm a senior pastor of the church. I don't be going around, hey, 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 yo, whoa, oh, Bible study fellowship. I just want to let y'all, uh, uh, senior pastor Keith Bradley is on this morning, okay? We should, yeah, yeah, hey, I'm on, we going to shift things around today because I'm the senior pastor of the church. You know, somebody start talking, oh, whoa, 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 you see me here? Do you see me here? Senior pastor Keith Bradley. And that's how you know to turn around. I'm like, senior pastor Keith Bradley? You know, you call me anything. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You call my voicemail. Uh, uh, hello? Uh, this is senior pastor Keith Bradley. Uh, please leave a message. I don't roll like that. I don't even introduce myself as, uh, hello, I'm senior pastor Keith. First of all, everybody don't even go to church. You know what I'm saying? Like, like stop, right? So in our household, I am, I, I, I'm revered as head. I, I make final decisions. But really, we submit ourselves one to another. So what we do is something comes up, she presents, hey, baby, I think we should do this. I present, well, based on this, I think we should do this. She goes, okay, well, based on that, had you considered this? I go, well, I thought about this, but what about this, that, and the other? All right, babe, you make the call. A lot of times, you know what the call is? What the Lord told her. See, it's a responsibility for me to be the head of my household. I got to be responsible enough to know to yield to the right wisdom. It's a responsibility with being a senior pastor. I got to know to yield to gifts, right? It's not about lording, it's about leading. You see the difference? Right? That's why some of us are still running through the mud because we don't understand how to lead. All right, so, so, so and, and what happens is a lot of us, don't, we don't work to be accountable. So as a senior pastor, as a uh, husband, you know, I'm a leader in other areas, uh, on some boards, uh, I go in a different situation where I'm a leader. Playing, uh, when I first joined the JV baseball team, I was a captain. When I first joined the, the basketball team in college, they put me on, the, like, the farm team, the JV. I was a captain, right? You know what I'm saying? So uh, 
plenty of jobs. I've been in management, supervisors, what have you. In my life, I've been a leader. But guess what? I wasn't looking to lead. Actually, when I joined the baseball team, I, I, was just, I just wanted the hats. Seriously. No, I saw the color. It was orange and blue. My favorite color was orange and brown. Um, you see American Gangster, the, the hats they had when they were playing softball, that was at my, actually my actual high school uniforms they was wearing. So, but I just liked the hats. I was pit captain. I just wanted to play basketball in college. The guy made me captain. I wasn't even a recruit. I didn't, hadn't even played high school basketball. But I wasn't trying to be captain. I got hired at the church. I wasn't ordained, right? I hadn't been to ministry school, and I got hired as a ministerial assistant. But I didn't even know you could work for a church. I wasn't trying to be in position. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was serving and ended up in position. Do you understand that? All right, so I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, right? Because, of, like, I got way past the working to be unaccountable and unsupervised. And that's what we're trying to do. We try to work to be unaccountable and unsupervised. We think once we turn 18, good, I can just do what I want to do. That's, that's, a, that's a myth. That, that ain't even close to smart, right? See, when you're accountable, you're spiritually positioned for promotion. When you're not accountable and not uh, how you, how you call it? Uh, uh, pseudo accountability. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, at my convenience, I do. Th so, Gerard, you got people at your job when the bosses are around, they, 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 they extra. When nobody's around, you can't find them. You can't depend on them for nothing. Right? That's pseudo accountability. They don't live in accountability. They visit it when it looks like it's going gonna, it's gonna to work uh, to their favor. Does that, does that make sense? Right? See, see, the accountable, they've embraced brokenness and are not contaminated by self-zeal and ulterior motives. See, sometimes the self has all the zeal that pushes you out ahead of what you're ready for. Like, you, you think you deserve something based on your own merit, how you see yourself. But see, you're not accountable because you're accountable. You just would submit to the tutors and governors until God's appointed time, right? See, but, but these, the accountable embrace brokenness. The key to brokenness is humility. The accountable embrace brokenness. The key to brokenness is humility. The key to humility is what Luke 9, dying to yourself. Killing the flesh. Right? Dying to succeed, the flesh, the carnal nature, hates accountability and all its exposure. See, accountability exposes. You know how you think you're ready? And then you're in an accountable situation and people start pointing stuff out and you convert that into your victim or they're putting you down? No. They're, they're showing you all the things you could have seen along the way, but it's in your blind spots because you weren't accountable. Let, let me tell you something. When I got married, because I lived my life, I wasn't committing to nothing. I'm telling you that right now. Like when I, I was, I was in a, I was in, with a foster uh, family, so it was me 
and this young lady named Joanne, but, you know, they was giving her a spanking one day, and she, she, the way I saw it, she was defending herself. But they took it as she was fighting back, so she was out of there. So now it's just me, all right? Now, I'm the gopher. I'm not, like, I'm the grandchild. I'm, 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 I'm at the grandchildren's, their grandchildren's age, but I'm the gopher. Go for this, go for that. Masons, I'm, I'm stirring up the cement. I got the spatula. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of putting bricks up. Uh, I'm, I'm hammering stuff. Like, uh, Key, because uh, uh, Grandpa didn't call me Keith, called me Key. Key, Key, come in here, right? So that's me. So I can't wait to what? Oh, man, when I get up out of here, when I get up out of here, I got that from him, too. He'd be like, are you going to get out of here? He would say that sometimes to his son when his son was tripping. You going to get out of here? That's where I got that from. Right? So I was like, well, I can't wait to get up out of here. Right? Now, I'm thinking when I get out of here, now that frees me up. What? I don't have to be accountable to nobody. I roll up into college like, what? I probably threw stuff on the floor. Yeah, so who's going to tell me to clean it up? I clean it up when I feel like it. I just, uh, friends was going to chapel. I'm like, chapel, man, I'm not going to chapel because I don't have to go. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to make me. And this lasted for a while, but after a while, you got to clean your room up. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I had to. I couldn't take it. You know? And then I kind of was feeling a little convicted. So from time to time, I went to chapel. I just couldn't take it. You know? I mean, I believe in God. But I really, if you ask me to commit to something, I would tell you, I might. I'm thinking about it. I don't know, man. Um, I, I might. I might. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And I lived with a core philosophy that you cannot call me out on anything because I didn't tell you I was going to do it. The first thing I committed to, don't ask me why, was when I pledged. I don't even know why. Because a lot, a lot of things, I said, don't get mad. I got to be genuine here. A lot of things don't line up with the Bible. You know, a lot of those practices don't line up with the Bible, right? But, but, but I had to, I ain't know all that. I wasn't planning off of that. I just was like, man, I'm always saying I, I'm going to do something. So I just said, yeah. Now, two days later, I'm in my room. I was like, what did I just commit to? Right? But I, 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 I didn't live committed. Once I learned the value of committing, and nothing hanging over my shoulder, and how people were like, oh, we just get Keith, we can rely on Keith. Well, I like that better, as opposed to the contrast. I was just talking to a family member today. I was like, listen, I, I went through what you went through. You gotta earn trust. I said, I went, went, went through what you went through because nobody trusted me. Oh, no, no, okay, whatever. Keith, he may show up, he might not show up. Keith. We don't know how long he's going to keep that job. We don't know how long he's going to keep that apartment. Because I was all over the place. But once I got locked in, at first it was like, mm, we'll see how long this lasts. Everybody was thinking that. But after a while, I'd be like, oh, this dude is not playing. I can depend on him. See, we want people to depend on us because we're tired of hearing their mouth. We ain't changing our actions, though. We want people to condone the actions of an unaccountable person 
and just depend on us because we tired of, I just think, you know, you just get on me too long. We're not stopping to say I'm acting the same way over and over and over. We just, we just go blind to that. Well, Pastor, man, I just think you always trying to, instead of saying, I'm always doing that, huh? So I guess if I'm always doing it, you're going to always say it, right? My bad. We don't do that, do we? All right, all right. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right, so the flesh and its carnal nature hates accountability and all this exposure, right? And so the scripture tells us in Romans 8, it says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, right? And my accountability to the God's love. So nothing should, should be able to sever my co commitment, my accountability to God. See, because God's love is a commitment to us, right? So nothing should be able to separate us from our commitment to him. Right? The scripture says we love him because what? He first loved us. So he already, I'm all in. Accountability. Like, my wife never had to guess from the first time I said, hey, you the one. She ain't had to guess. She ain't had to be sitting at the house. Where he at? What he doing? Do he love me? Oh, no, 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 because from day one, you know, we got mics. People going to speak later. She can jump up and go, he lying. <laughs> Last two years is the only time I really even knew that dude was all in. Now, I've been all in from the door. And I proved it, kicking and screaming. She was kind of questioning if we was going to be together. But, but one phase of me, nothing could separate me from my commitment. See, we just look at that scripture as, well, nothing going to separate God from God from us. Nothing. Need to hide no day that. Okay, what about us? Can anything separate us from committing to God? All right, that's Romans 8, 33 through 36. So uh, Trina highlighted this too. Um, uh, and I don't know if we was reading through that or it was brought up as a circle verse or something. But uh, verse 36 says, we are killed all the day long, counted as sheep for slaughter. See, 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 remember, we're staying as a living sacrifice. I'm, I'm, see, accountability is killing my flesh. It's like, a, I'm go, it's like I'm a sheep to slaughter. But I don't care because what? I'm going to stay accountable to God. See, accountability is living in humility. So I'm not seeking to save face. I'm inviting opportunities for humility because I know the humility that I invite is killing my flesh. Right? Like we, 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 we create fronts. We make people think we're doing more than we're doing. We have more than we have. Why? Do you know how blessed people are going to be when you are displaying the cracks and God delivers you? Some of us, God's going to deliver. People ain't going to even know you delivered because you've been acting like you delivered the whole time. God going to bless you with a new house. They're going to think you was in a new house the whole time. And when you, you know, and, and you, it wasn't even your house. You know, somebody let you stay there. <laughs> right? See, accountability is living in humility. See, when I'm planted in the body, see, planted in the body is living in humility. I'm planted. I'm committed. I'm, I got my roots in. I'm not just doing drive-bys. I'm in. So now I'm covered. You know, when they put these coverings, they, 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 there's commitment all around. They fasten these things. You see what I'm saying? They, they got pillars. 
Like they, they didn't just throw something else. Why? It would have just blew away. Right? You in there offering, making your offering and worshiping, and, and, and the roof done came off. You know, they, they lighting a fire to burn your sacrifice, and, and the, the, the wind done blew, keep blowing out the fire. <laughs> right? Now, this, look, these things are fastened in. And the trip is they had to commit to do it a particular way, tear it down, and commit to build it back up the same exact way when it went to another location. So that means you got to take it down a certain way. Like you couldn't just tear it down. You had to take it down where you can handle all the pieces with care so they wasn't damaged so you could put them back up as if nothing was touched. So it was a commitment involved there, right? And so I was thinking about this as we grow. Why in our nature sometimes we are fighting against accountability? Like we, we go to a certain place, but then we start to get, you know, fill ourselves, as my son was saying. Like fill ourselves, and now we, we're, we're fighting against accountability. See, that was Miriam, Miriam and Aaron. They was all good when we getting delivered. You know, Aaron was cool with, hey, man, I, I'm just happy to get in as a mouthpiece. He was cool with that. Miriam was cool. You following your brother down the water. You know what I'm saying? Making sure he all right. So you cool. But now when the, the presence and power of God is on the same brother that you, you followed to make sure he was taken care of, the same brother that you was like, hey, like I can go with you? God going to let me like be by your side? Now, oh, so you don't even want to hear from God? Oh, he was hearing from God to get y'all out. But now you questioning them hearing for God. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to excuse themselves from accountability. Right? They were trying to excuse them. That's Romans 12, 1 through 3. And so, so why, why, why does this happen? Because I think sometimes we have this illusion of arriving. I, I gave you Numbers 12, 1 through 3, right? Yeah. I said Romans? Numbers 12, 1 through 3. That's when uh, Miriam and Aaron started to question Moses, right? All right, so we have this illusion of arriving. See, the danger with the illusion of arriving is you think you've arrived when you should be accountable to the press. See, in other words, there's an accountability with greatness. There's accountability with fulfillment. There's accountability with, with passing tests and, and, and getting beyond things. You know, for uh, Leroy Neiman to run the four-minute mile, there, you know, the accountability and the responsibility, the diligence you have to do to break barriers, right? There's accountability with that. But when I, when I feel like I've arrived, right, now I have this illusion of accountability that, I, like, I've already, uh, I'm a, I've already uh, achieved all I need to achieve. Now I'm not accountable to that press no more. Now I'm not on time. Now I skip stuff because I've, something in me tells me I've done enough, right? I'm no longer accountable. Like I, like I press, I press more than I press when I was coming up to growing into being a pastor. I press more. I'm more diligent, right? Because I haven't arrived. <laughs> see, see, that, 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 accountability 
there's a passion involved when you're really accountable. You know, there, there's a passion involved. But presumption or, or overconfidence is the enemy to that passion. And so, so we got to ask ourselves, how many believe that our achievements have cleared us from further accountability and responsibility? Our achievements have cleared us from further accountability and, pro- you know. Because, again, I, and I was sharing this with, a, with a, uh, uh, somebody I was talking to, and I said how we, you know, as we grow as guys, like everybody's been cheated, but guys have been totally brainwashed. And so you, 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 you now you, you live this life where you're sizing yourself up. Everything's about competition. So you're missing out on the people you're supposed to be accountable to because you're sizing them up as competition, right? Like you don't want to be accountable and responsible. But see, when we own accountability, it places a demand on some of these solutions that we're looking for in our life. When we own accountability, like when, when they came and they owned, when they came to the altar and they owned their sin, they got the solution for it, right? But they had to own something, right? And so the solution is looking for the owner of the problem. But if you, if you, I don't know what they're talking about. What? I ain't do nothing. You know, you have somebody talk to you, well, maybe you talk to someone else, and they're like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. But you showed up to give them a solution. But they're, they're trying to convince you, what? what? You talking about me? Ah, oh, no, 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 you saw that all wrong. So you convince a person they didn't see what they saw, so you don't get what you need. Because you didn't own it. There's a solution. You can, you can stop dealing with the same thing year after year after year, but you got to own it. And there's a solution for that, right? See, we got to be accountable not to miss. We was talking about this, uh, how there's an even exchange here. Because sometimes we're sizing up people that we should be accountable to, but we think if we're accountable to them, they got one up on us. Do you know the responsibility with leading people? It ain't no one up. I'm a senior pastor. It ain't like, you think this is rock star? So let's say Gerard and his family is going, something, going, going through something in their life. And, you know, and so you got his family, you got the people he's connected to, stuff like that, right? Okay. So that's, you know, you, you, you navigate through it, right? Well, guess what? So am I. I have to cover him. I'm responsible. Like, 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 like if he pulls out of harmony, I feel it. I have to intercede and pray. And guess what? I can't, look, I can't go off on him. I got to go in. Not go off, I got to go in. I just mentioned one person. I only mentioned one person. Right? So, so it's, it's, but it's a, it's a responsibility. And so that's what we was talking about in spiritual authority class. I have to be accountable not to misrepresent God's authority. Everybody that's, that's, that's has a position, as a head, as a husband, I got a responsibility not, not to misrepresent. But guess what? The people that are submit have the responsibility not to misunderstand. We both have responsibilities, so we both humble. But a lot of times, a person that's, that has the responsibility to lead is trying to not misrepresent, but the people that's following ain't working to make sure they don't misunderstand. 
They go in with clouded views, confusing the things that are supposed to help them because they're not setting themselves apart not to misunderstand. But they expect the other person to set themselves apart and not misrepresent. Everybody's accountable. Submit yourselves one, one, uh, one to another. You know, and this, this, this will help us because we're, when, when, we, when we understand accountability and cover, now we don't deal with everybody like they're ready-made. Do you understand what I mean? Everybody's not ready-made. Now, the interesting thing is some people are not ready-made. They know that well, so they go, don't treat me like I'm ready-made. But they treat other people like they, ready, like they should be ready-made. This is it's kind of retarded. Um, so that means undeveloped, so I'm not really trying to put nobody down. Right, so um, a lot of times when people treat you like you, let's say you know stuff and people treat you like you don't know what you know, they're not really putting you down. Sometimes it's their arrogance, you know, most of the time it's our hypocrisy. So a lot of times when you, when you accountability has a responsibility. Like, do you understand I got to live what I, what I share? But if I don't live what I share, I can be eloquent, charismatic, thorough, and knowledgeable. Don't none of y'all care what I'm saying. Because my corresponding actions don't line up. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a lot of times we think what we know is enough. But sometimes we're, we're hypocrites. When our actions haven't been accountable to the word, we say we know. Right? The scripture says, uh, they honor me, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Matthew 15, 8, right? It's Isaiah 29, 2, right? You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So our mouths are saying a lot more than our actions. See, accountability is owning our words, and when we own our words, we live out what we say. When we're owners, we live out what we say. But when we have not bought this word for ourselves, we're repeating what other people are saying. We're repeating what we heard. But that doesn't get people to follow you when you've owned it, when you've purchased it by living it. You see what I'm saying? So when you're accountable, you're owning your words. You know, that's why as couples, me and my wife, we have to hold each other accountable. So we expect each other to honor our word. Right? So this is the key here. This is the key. And you know, we'll get into this little pocket and then we'll, we'll transition out. But I think this piece is important. Um, are you owning your words or just uh, theoretically speaking sounds? Are you owning your words or theoretically speaking sounds? Now, when I say theoretically, because uh, uh, I've taught on this a long time ago, but there's a difference between a theorist and a pragmatist, a theorist and a pragmatist, right? And I, I, I came up with this, or well, the Holy Spirit gave me this a long time ago, um, just like uh, you have mag magicians, theorists, theorists are logicians. You know, you know what a magician is. A theorist is a logician. He logically knows how to talk words very well. He's a good, good talker. 
The Bible says that, uh, Proverbs 18, 2, that your heart may discover itself, right? So theorists is all talk. You know, they, they let they, their uh, mouth write checks that their heart can't pay, right? And so just like a magician is a master of illusion, some logicians are masters of delusion, right? So, the, so they're, they're saying more than they're capable of doing or that they're willing to do. They're just constantly talking. Uh, that's where you get into reflex lying. So I'm saying stuff, I'm bloviating stuff that, that if you really took the time to discover what I'm talking about, you'll find out I'm all talk, right? My words speak louder than my actions. The scripture says in James 1, I know I'm referencing scriptures because I want you, you guys to get this information for today. So please go back and study it. You know, we didn't go in, uh, read a lot of them. But it says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word, James chapter 1. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. See, this is the thing. Our accountability is already figured into our lives. We're going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what's sown. See, we're all accountable to the seeds we've sown. We're all accountable. So watch what you sow because you're going to reap it. Right? You know, uh, Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth that he will reap. So a lot of times we, we mad at God. I can't believe he's taking me to all this. Have you looked at the seeds you sow? Like we're not even looking at the seeds. We just, we just mad at the harvest. Well, you must have wanted it, but you sowed it. You reap what you sow. God don't have to supervise us. Our harvest does. Right? Our actual harvest. Not our temporary successes. Our actual harvest does. See, that's why it, the scripture talks about, don't worry about the, the wicked prospering. Ecclesiastes 2 talks about it. You know what? The wicked prosper, but in pain to the benefit of those that are doing good. So they're prospering, but they're in anguish. That's why the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. See, they're, in, they're accountable to their harvest. So they're sowing seeds and it look like they're successful, but they're going to reap the harvest of what they've sown, the dirt that they did on the way. And that's why, you know, uh, you all hear men of God talk about a wealth transfer. That's why people that are blessed ends up with a lot of their resources. But we be looking like, well, they ain't doing right. Look at them. They doing good. Man, Man, pay attention. You see all the anguish people be going through out here? Some of these uh, celebrities and stuff, because they're reaping what they sow. I mean, why are they getting so smashed? Because they need to be numb from all the pain that they're causing. See, this is the thing, the, the, the difference between the theorists and the pragmatists. The pragmatists are known by their spiritual fruit, their corresponding actions. The pragmatist is known by their spiritual fruit, their corresponding actions, right? Not just by what they say, but what they do. So Pastor Mel highlighted this scripture, and uh, Gerard brought it up from the play, and I think they said the barber brought it up during prayer, <laughs> right? Matthew 7. I know, Pastor Mel, you read it this morning, right? 
It says, uh, it says, wherefore by their fruit shall you know them. I'm sorry, verse 20. I apologize. 720. It says, wherefore by their fruit shall you know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in thy name. And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I didn't have an intimate relationship with you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You see, it wasn't just what the person said, it's what we do. See, pragmatists are known by their spiritual fruit. Theorists are known by their barrenness. There's a lot of people that get out ahead and do a lot of successful things, but you find their, the, the, the fruit of their life or the end of their life is barrenness. They're lonely, alone with nothing and had tremendous wealth and fame. I mean, all these, these, these people that we call superstars, you, you never looked at the list of people that, that died at early ages? Like, they didn't even live really a quality of life. Like, they had this, this 15, 20-year run, and they gone. Right? Barrenness. See, that's why the Bible says most men will proclaim their own goodness. Talking, talking, Proverbs 26 and 7. Most men will proclaim their own goodness. See, that's dangerous. Like, like because you, you got to step outside yourself to see yourself to proclaim your own goodness. You can't even see what you're, what you're fully doing. That's why the Bible says, let another man praise thee, not with thine own mouth, not with thine own lips. Proverbs 27, 2. Right? Look for the person that lets their fruit speak for them. Look for the person that lets their fruit speak for them. The person that's walking around talking about they know what they do and they, they do. The Bible says, do we, do, we, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Right? In 2 Corinthians 3. Right? So you got to watch a person that's, that's, that's trying to give themselves their own props. And even if it's out of insecurity, man, stay dead until God resurrects you. Right? See, intentions are manifested or corresponding actions. So, so you don't have to keep telling me what your intent is. Your actions are showing your intent. You don't have to tell me what you're good at. Your actions are showing me what you're good at. Right? You haven't, no, no, I'm really, really, I'm really, really, uh, no, you don't have to really, really tell me nothing. You're already showing me who you are. Well, how you are in your consistency and inconsistency, it's who you are right now. And the only way you're going to get something different is to change. Change. <laughs> right? Change. <laughs> right? See, 
See, the person that's consistent is the person that shines so bright, others proclaim their brilliance. See, there's people around here, man, listen, we, we're going deep in prayer to make sure they can full-time serve in this, this house. You know why? Because they're already doing it. They ain't telling us nothing. There's people around here get blessed all the time. They don't say nothing. But there's people around here fight for stuff, and they don't, they don't even see their, their corresponding actions. They don't see their inconsistency. Listen, you ain't doing God no favor because you, you went two good weeks in the Word. You should have Bible study fellowship two weeks in a row. So God can bless you two weeks in a row? And then just drop off? How we feel about that? You see what I'm saying? Like you're not doing them no favor because you're tithing. You doing God a favor? We're covered with the tithe. We're doing ourselves a favor. Like God need our money. We need to, to steward, keep the seed in the ground so we can get the harvest from God. We're not doing him no favors. And then, then we may do it for two weeks and we go, yeah, you know. I, I've had people tell me I'm a tither because they tithe a few times. No, you are tired. Okay, okay. So, so hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what do you do? Computers? Right? IT? What's your title? Database administrator. So, so imagine he's a database administrator, right? And he says he's a database administrator. Never administrates. Never. Like, nobody can't ask him nothing. They call him up. Why are you calling me, man? That's an IT problem. <laughs> yes. So then, at that point, he's just talking. If I can't go to him, he's just talking. And so, you're a data administrator twice a week? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, go to the job, it's time for a promotion. He's been showed up for two weeks. Two weeks, and, or, or, or no, sporadically. And he goes, I don't understand why I ain't getting a promotion, you know, because I'm bringing it up in this piece. And then they, they, they you know, they, they got the list. They go, okay, well, you see these empty boxes? This is when you're not here. Oh, uh, you see uh, the losses in our, in our finances? This is when we had problems and you wasn't here to solve them. So what planet are you on? This is how we live our lives. We actually, you know, people tell me they don't drink because they stopped drinking hard liquor and they still drink alcohol. And they say, no, I don't, I don't drink no more. They serious, though. They, like, they're not, they're serious. I don't drink. I read, I read every day. No, you don't. Like, and I'm not putting nobody down. What I'm saying is, can we be honest about where we are so God can get us from there? Can we be accountable, truly accountable, right? Um, let's get out of here, okay? So let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to see where we can end here. Oh, I, I, so I said the, the man that shines so bright that others proclaim their brilliance. The person that's accountable, that man is humbly exalted by God because they're tied in, they're committed, right? They're committed to bury themselves. They allow themselves to be dis disregarded temporarily today.
to shine brightly eternally tomorrow. And so, so they're not trying to, because most people are trying a great escape. They're trying to escape accountability. But this person is avoiding a great escape to maintain their accountability to the great resurrection. So I'm going to stay accountable until I'm resurrected. All right? I know I'm going kind of fast, but this is actually on video, so you can, you can, you'll get it. Uh, so this person, as when we're accountable, we're not escaping sowing ourselves or burying ourselves. We're staying buried or accountable until we reach the harvest. We're going to stay accountable until we reach the harvest. And, and, and during this process, people follow... Uh, what was I about to say? People follow corresponding actions, not words, not just good intentions. Corresponding actions. Somebody hurts you, and they say they're sorry, but they keep doing the same thing. No, 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 no. You better look for corresponding actions. That's the key to how you can not get, keep getting played over and over by manipulators. Manipulators, they just come up with another angle. You're looking for corresponding actions, not, you know I love you. I don't know, I don't know nothing. I know what I see. I know the corresponding actions. You see what I'm saying? You're looking for corresponding actions. Uh, I'll leave you with this scripture. Oh, we talked about this this week too. Uh, I think Pastor Mel brought it up. Isaiah 119. It says, uh, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land, right? So the willingness... That's my mental ascent, right? My mental ascent is I, I'm willing to do it. So some of us stop right there. You know, I'm, willing, I'm willing to love God. I'm willing to read the word. I'm willing to be locked in. No, 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 no. Willing and obedient, my corresponding actions. Are my actions lining up what I say I'm willing to do, right? So God's will is incomplete without the requisite obedience or corresponding actions. So God's will is one side, our obedience is the other side. So his will is incomplete without the corresponding actions. See, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> We're not just having a will so we can just be, everybody just, you know, God got a will. There's, there's God's will, God's will, God's will. No, no, no. Do you understand the will is placing a demand on our obedience to manifest that will in this earth realm, right? See, the scripture says, be not unwise what the will of the Lord is, right? So the will of God and our obedience to that will, that's what creates manifestation in this earth realm, right? So again, if we want to really get back to being covered, uh, uh, our cup running over in the kingdom, we got to get back to consistent accountability. Right? Follow through. You know, just, just be, be consistent. Our delays are creating delays. Does that make sense? All right, standing, not standing feet, but uh, anybody have any thoughts, wisdom, insight, uh, questions, uh, either online, if you're online, you can call in uh, at the number at the bottom of the screen, or you can type in the chat if you have a thought, question, or something that you realize.